Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Coast to Coasties podcast. Today, I'm glad to be joined with by a health services technician who is here to tell you all about the HS rate. So without further ado, I'm here to welcome second class petty officer Avery Yates. Hello, everybody. I'm HS2 Avery Yates. I've been in the Coast Guard for about uh, uh, eight years now. Been a H- or health services tech for about five years now with uh, being an IDHS for two, almost three. So an IDHS is an independent duty health services technician. Uh, they're the uh, people that are normally assigned to uh, boats, tactical units, and uh, isolated small boat stations. That's, uh, that's my current job right now. So what got you interested in joining the Coast Guard before you considered it? <laughs> so um, I always wanted to join the military ever since I was little. I'm from a small town in Kentucky, so it's, uh, it's one of those things that you kind of grow up with. Uh, everybody's grandfather fought in the war, and then uh, everybody's uncle fought in Desert Storm and so on and so forth. So went through high school, got an ROTC scholarship, uh, actually met my wife, whose dad was a Coastie, and ended up turning me from the army to the to the Coast Guard, which I'm very thankful for. And here I am now. As far as uh, becoming a health services technician, I was always interested in the medical field, so it just seemed like the right path for me. So I know there's not much water in Kentucky, but you do have the rivers. There are the rivers in Kentucky. Yes. So did you know much about the Coast Guard being from an inland state? So we actually have a uh, maritime security unit in my hometown. We are My hometown is on, our, on the far western side, right, nestled up against uh, the Mississippi, Ohio, and Tennessee rivers. It's all in the Ohio River Valley. And uh, very familiar with the Coast Guard on that side of the house as far as like a or inland waterways management and then the inspections and uh, policing on the rivers. So you knew you wanted to be an HS right from the get-go? Actually, when I first joined, I wanted to be a maritime law enforcement specialist. And uh, just some, some things happened through the career or through the start of my career. My priorities changed and um, HS ended up aligning better with what I wanted out of my career. Well, HS is one of the longest A schools or historically has been one of the longest A schools and still is right now. So did you decide pretty early on as a non-rate that HS was more your style and route you wanted to go? No, I was already about a year, year and a half into being a non-rate. So I had about a year or anywhere from eight months to a year wait before I went. So I was I was almost a full three or t- three-year tour non-rate. Wow. Yeah, I know back when you enlisted around eight years ago, there was pretty high uh, wait list numbers just because, you know, there's so many people in, kind of inverse as to what's happening right now. Yeah, exactly. Now, let's say that you met a prospect of HS. What was some advice you'd give them in terms of waiting it out? And uh, Keep your eye on the prize. If it's something you want to do, and this goes for any of the long wait A schools, if it's something you want to do, don't try to don't try to settle for something else just because it gets you out of a unit quicker or helps you rank up faster because you're you're going to be in that job it's not going to be what you want and you're going to be miserable and get out um so find the job you want stay true to that and just hold on Do you personally know if there's, I've heard people talk about dental routes and radiology paths within the Coast Guard. So what's really cool about Coast Guard medical as opposed to DOD medical is that we have one singular enlisted medical route, whereas all the other branches have different specialties. 
Now, with us, that opens us up to do multiple things. So you could go to, our, like with myself, I went to a clinic and I focused on outpatient care and lab work. And then I came here and now I'm an independent duty. I could leave here and go to another clinic and work on my dental hygienist certificate. I can go to pharmacist school or pharmacy tech school. I could go to uh, radiology tech school. I could go to uh, dive school. Whereas with the DOD branches, you enlist as a pharmacy tech or a radiology tech or a dive medical technician. There's no jumping around. Whereas with Coast Guard, it's the blessing and the curse. You don't get to special. You're probably not going to get to specialize in that one career field, but at the same time, you get a lot of experience of all the different medical career fields that there are. So the Coast Guard HS is much like a Neapolitan ice cream. You get a little bit of each flavor. Exactly. Okay, roger that. Now, when you chose to become an HS, you said that you put a lot of life career decisions into it. Could you have prepared for HS better had you known you want to be an HS coming into the military? So get inserts, civilian certs. So with at least HS school and probably all the other schools is that you're not going to need any prereqs to uh, prerequisites to get into the school uh, as far as like uh, certifications for job specific stuff. They're going to teach all that there and the instructors at Petaluma uh, where uh, health services school is are very good. They start with bare bones people of knowing first date or less and bring you through EMT school and through HS school to graduation. And then there's uh, additional trainings and recertifications after that. So you don't need anything going in. Um, if you want to take uh, some online courses on medical terminology and anatomy, that would definitely help you, but it's definitely not a requirement. But like you said, once you're in, you get EMT certs that you can take into the civilian world afterwards. Exactly. So that's the only, uh, only certification starting out that the Coast Guard will pay for uh, that translates into civilian life. Okay, so as an HS, EMT is your sole paid-for certification that will transition into civilian life? Correct. But you can develop those skill sets if you're taking online classes and going to college to pair with the practical application of those skills you're learning in school. Exactly. It sets you up to challenge a lot of other civilian certifications such as uh, uh, phlebotomist, medical assistant, a lot of the other uh, entry-level medical care jobs. And then as you go up, you can ch do the ch college courses, you can challenge more things, you can get educated more. Uh, tuition assistance is a bit, big thing. I actually know a lot of HS3s that have turned HS2s. They spent their first four years at a clinic, got all their prerequisites done for nursing school, and are now getting out to go to nursing school and pursue that. So that's a very popular route that we're seeing in the HS rating right now. And you went from the clinic to a cutter now. Correct. How do you feel that's impacted your development going further down your HS career, having this independent duty at a cutter? So it definitely helps out as far as our, once you go to a shift, you get you get C time, which goes to award or which goes to points on your service wide for promotion. Um, it also puts you at a at a higher priority for transferring so I'm going as a priority three out of six or seven now which is the only two people or the only two priorities ahead of me are people that are in Bahrain and people that are on a uh, 210 foot cutters so it's a pretty high priority so I'm pretty much going to get 
one of the top three places I want to go to when I transfer from here. And so HSs are only on 225s and 210? So HSs are on anything that is 200 feet and up. So we have, uh, but HS2s are only on 225s and 210s. 270s and 225s that are outside of the continental U.S., like Alaska and Hawaii and Guam, those are all HS1s. The new national security cutters, uh, the Wenzels, they have sometimes an HS1 or an HSC or a senior chief. And the icebreakers have an HS1 or an HSC. Okay, so no HS3s serve on any of the cutters? As of right now, yes. That, or you can be temporarily assigned to one, uh, one of the big, uh, the big ships, uh, the Wenzels. But as far as being permanently assigned, no, not, not right now. Okay, so you can imagine for the most part then, HS, you go to A school, you'll probably end up at a clinic of some sort. Uh, absolutely. You will, uh, you will graduate A school and go to either a clinic or a sector field office under special circumstances, but as a third class, you will be, since you're just coming out of school, uh, you're still learning on how to be an HS. You're going to be with other HSs, more experience. You're going to be with or in close proximity to the physician's assistants, to the doctors, to the nurses, uh, to learn your craft so that and prepare you for things such as Radiological tech school, IDHS school, independent duty corpsman school, the Navy equivalent, dive school. That's what you're going to be doing as a third class. Well, I did. I noticed that at Cape May, a lot of the third class were shadowing those senior HSs that were also at the clinic. They give us all our vaccines and stuff mm -hmm. and make us take the pills that they, we need to take. But they uh, were shadowing the experienced people to sort of build that foundation exactly. for the yeah. future. Your third, class, your third class petty officer across the entire Coast Guard is still an apprentice. They're, they're learning. They now have the base knowledge for their job, but they need to know how to implement it. So they're going to be shadowing those second classes. At second class, we're seen as like, we had the base knowledge, we had the experience behind the base knowledge, but we're not quite subject matter, subject matter experts. That's your, your first class, and then your chiefs move into your administration roles. Okay, so do you think now that you've been on the clinic, you did the clinic for a few years, then you went to the cutter. Do you think it's harder or easier to study for those service-wide exams being shoreside clinic or seaside cutter with the Definitely shoreside clinic. So at a clinic, you're going to have time set aside in the schedule to uh, work on work on your sign-offs, uh, to st uh, the different uh, pay grades will study together to help foster that test taking and study mentality whereas on a cutter not not only are you doing your doing the work of a full clinic but you're also having to balance your watch or watch schedule because you're being on the cutter you're expected to do uh, the same thing as the BM2s and the MK2s standing watch you're seen as a, a member of the crew as opposed to somebody completely detached at a clinic so it makes it a little bit harder here on the boat. Right, because you stand, as a health services sickness, you stand the quartermaster of the watch. Exactly. As you go in 225. Exactly. I stand the same duties that a, uh, a BM2 would on this boat. But that also, so if someone wants to be an HS and a boat crew member and they're on a cutter, they can do that. They can, yes. Normally, they can get the qualification, but it doesn't usually happen because the HS needs to be the person that's 
always ready to help. So if they're out on a boat and they get hurt, then nobody's there to take care of them. Now, uh, last month we did the exercise or did the international exercise. We in the drill, I went over there. That's a very rare case where the HS actually goes over and provides care. Usually the person would be brought to the boat or they would be picked up by a helicopter or a small boat team or something like that. But normally the HS will stay on the boat because their first duty is to the crew. And then after that, they can work to help others. But if they can't take care of the crew, then they're not doing their job. So thus... You're talking about those rescue assistant situations. That's where you were sent over there in the drills. But exactly. normally they would go rescue the person and bring them to your cutter. Exactly. So you can stay on. Exactly. Okay, so situations like man overboard drills and stuff like that what is your role as the hs so uh in situations like man overboard i take myself as well as uh the battle or er, the stretcher bearer team and we go to either the buoy deck where it's our muster point or we station up at sick bay or at the boat deck to wait for the crew to come up or boat crew that rescued the person to come back on board to be able to provide care for that person when they arrive. And that could be any, just however they need to be treated. You're the on-scene EMT. E- EMT, action. yes, exactly. And being an IDHS, I have a few more skills than just, just the EMT. Um, our skills are more are a hybrid between nursing, paramedic. So it really does, though, sets that foundation for whatever path you'd like to take in oh, the absolutely. whole medical world. Absolutely. Uh, there's actually a program that I'm working on applying for called uh, IPAP. Can't, can't remember what the acronym stands for, but it's where enlisted members from all DOD and DHS are able to apply as long as they've met a base requirement of college credits, and in two years they graduate with a master's as well as their physician's assistant certificate. Okay, so you get a PA certificate out of that? Yes. Okay, so then that answers my next question. I was going to ask you, how does the Coast Guard set you up for the civilian world, but with programs like that available, I mean, it's a seamless transition. Everyone's looking uh, for more. Uh, more or less seamless. You still have, uh, depending on the state. Are, so with that, it's a federal uh, certification. Uh, you, you would still have to get, if you wanted to practice on the civilian side, you would still have to get the state certification, which is usually pretty simple. But So if you went back to Kentucky, you would have to complete the state certifications in addition to having your federal Correct. I don't know I don't know Kentucky's laws exactly, but they may have what we call reciprocity, where they're like, oh, you have this federal certification. That's cool. We're going to recognize that. You automatically have a Kentucky certification. And so building off of that, those are your future career goals, is to get that master's with the PA. And where do you want to see your career go from here and like take it um, so uh, with the IPAP program is that you're going to do the two years. You're going to graduate as a uh, O2, a lieutenant junior grade with a master's degree and your physician's assistant certificate. And you're going to be sent to a major Coast Guard clinic. You're going to be, once again, you're that apprentice level provider. But this time you actually are a medical or a full on medical provider. You're going to be the one that's diagnosing, prescribing care and um, take care or uh, signing the dotted line, if you will. And that's a four-year tour. And then after that, uh, the way the Coast Guard's heading with new ships and ships with bigger crews, they are actually start beginning to permanently assign physician assistants to ships to go underway. 
So that's something we're going to see in the future. It's not necessarily something I want to do. By that time, I'll be at my close to my 20-year mark, so coast out the last few year or two and then uh, start up in the civilian side. But that's a really good opportunity for you because if you look at retirement pay scales and stuff like that, retiring oh, as an officer. Oh, yeah, and at that time, I'd be retiring as an 03 automatically, and that's uh, 27, as of right now, 2700 bucks a month. Uh, retirement at 20 years exactly well I think that's the coolest thing is that I talked earlier in an earlier episode about officer ascension programs Mm -hmm. and programs like this that you can go from enlisted and get your college credits build Mm -hmm. into it I just I never even covered it because I didn't even know they existed so would you think a lot of people in civilian side how would they hear about this stuff so some of the programs are open to just enlist or just to enlisted and some of them are open for you to or we call them direct commission so if uh, you have a master's degree or you have a bachelor's degree and it's something a degree that the Coast Guard wants and they'll, uh, they'll offer you say hey here is this rank uh, will you come please join the Coast Guard so the, our direct commission is um, usually going to be your professionals master's degree and higher so you have doctors uh, not doctors because uh uh, fun little fact, uh, Coast Guard gets all their doctors from the Public Health Service. So, uh, much like how the uh, Marine Corps gets their doctors from the Navy, we get ours from the Public Health Service. They also service uh, this, the CDC, the um, forest, or Forestry Department, NOAA, all these other big federal agencies that require medical uh, come from PHS. So, uh, that's where we get our doctors. Anywho, going back to direct commission lawyers, judges, pretty much anyone with a master's degree, since they're they're that graduate level, they're, they're going to go into the direct commission, and usually they're going to come into e, uh, come into the Coast Guard as either an O2 or an O3, and they don't have to go through the shenanigans of boot camp. They get a very short boot camp, pretty much of, hey, this is how you behave as a military person. Other than that, don't worry about it. And then there's OCS programs where you have a bachelor's degree and uh, the Coast Guard will put you through OCS, that officer style boot camp, and then you come out as an O1 or an ensign. Well, I was just curious because when you're saying direct commission route, mm-hmm. I know oftentimes going to doctor school is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you want to be a doctor and get into Coast Guard medical field as one of the public health mm-hmm. people, that's another Department of Homeland Security program. So there, um, I think I know where you're going with this. Um, there are tuition buyback programs with public, or I can't speak full on for public health service because I'm not very familiar with it. Uh, they do have some tuition buyback program programs. Coast Guard has tuition buyback programs as well. It's all just dependent on if the degree services the Coast Guard well. And okay, so in that situation, because the Coast Guard wants these people so bad, they will pay that tuition so that the member doesn't have to worry about the burden of student loans, whereas they know they could make more on the civilian side as compared to the Coast Guard? So, uh, yes, I believe that's what they try to go for. Uh, They say, hey, if you join the Coast Guard, we'll pay back your student loans and call it good. And then you owe us four to six years. That's, I think, the route that they're taking for some things. I don't know what those things are. I'm unfortunately not an officer recruiter if somebody is interested in something like that definitely call up a recruiter and ask to speak uh, to someone 
uh, in regards to direct commissioning programs or go to the Coast Guard website, they do have a tab on direct commissioning. So. Well, also with that being said, too, uh, it's not all about the money, really. For oh, those. that too. Yeah, this is a much greater service. You know, being able to serve, you know, your country and using your skills you've earned in school to be able to apply them into many service members who need your expertise. Mm-hmm. Much more than just the Coast Guard itself; it's the members of the Coast Guard that need you. Mm-hmm. So much, but uh, so going back. You said that you're looking at potential stations forward. Where would you like to get stationed next? Uh, so I'm looking all over the country right now, anywhere from St. Petersburg, Florida, Savannah, Georgia, Corpus Christi, Texas, Kodiak, Alaska, Louisville, Kentucky, Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I ha- have a lot of available options, so I'm just, uh, just, just curious to see uh, when the official list comes out uh, where I'll get put. What would lean you towards going either down south or up in Alaska? I mean, those are pretty big differences. Uh, Alaska is just um, a really nice place, and it, it's uh, the the last or the last frontier. So I want to be able to go explore and stuff like that and try new things. But at the same time, I don't know what to expect with that. Back home, back south, you get a sense of security, and some of the jobs there would better facilitate me taking college courses to be able to get the prerequisites done for the uh, PA program. Which is the route you're gunning for. So. Exactly. Okay, and then to try to give an insight as to someone looking into HS again, could you run through like a daily routine of what you would normally do at, with your experience at the clinic and then run through one of being on the cutter? Okay, uh, so at the clinic, uh, you're going to be assigned to a department, whether it be uh, outpatient department, that's going to be like your normal doctor's office uh, scenario. So you have outpatient, you have front desk, you have lab or laboratory, you have medical boards, and you have physicals. So uh, your medical boards people are going to be, it's a purely admin job. You're going to be reviewing people who have been on, uh, we call them limited du- or on limited duty for either severe injuries, they had an extensive amount of uh, surgery done, something that causes them not fit for deployment. So, as medical boards, you're gathering that paperwork up, uh, you're get, and then submitting that off to Washington, D.C. to uh, Big Coast Guard, if you will, to make the determination, it, for the Coast Guard to make the determination of keeping this individual or letting them, or medically retiring them. Um, then you have your physicals department. Uh, they're going to be focused on your occupational health, like uh, your hearing exams, your eye exams, your uh, yearly physical exams. Uh, in certain places, you have air or at air stations, you have the flyers that have to get flight physicals. Uh, you're going to go through the physicals department for that. You have divers that go through uh, dive physicals. You have uh, marine science technicians. They have to get yearly physicals done because they're going to be dealing with hazardous materials a lot, so they have to get blood drawn. Uh, physicals is going to be handing a lot of that yearly stuff, the, the occupational health. Uh, moving on to laboratory, they're going to be working on drawing people's blood, filling laboratory orders as needed, doing testing. They're going to be handling the immunizations for the clinic, uh, that kind of stuff. You also have the pharma, or in some clinics, you'll have a full pharmacy with a pharmacist who is also public health service. They're going to be assisting the pharmacist 
in storage, inventory, stocking, and distribution of said medications. Um, and outpatient, you're going to be working with the physician's assistants and the doctors, and you're going to screen the patients much like a medical assistant or a nurse, uh, get the vital signs, get a short story of what brings the person into the doctor's office, and then present that to the uh, medical provider. Front desk is exactly what it so sounds like. It's uh, answering the phone, scheduling appointments, kind of that first line for the uh, clinic. All right, and then uh, on the cutter, what is your oh, daily? Well, on the cutter, there is no set schedule to the cutter. So uh, usually at my position as an HS2, I'm a lot more involved in the day-to-day -day things of the ship, whereas once you get higher to the HS1 to HSC levels, you're not going to be as involved in the day-to-day -day things of the ship because you're higher ranking. You're talking food store onloads and... Yeah, food store onloads. Short tie. Short ties, watch schedule. As an HS... As a second class, the duties of the ship come first, and then you have to fit in uh, your duties, your independent duties afterwards. So it's uh, now life or limb definitely trumps everything. So if somebody gets hurt or sick, then you're definitely called up for that. But on the boat, it's whatever the boat has planned, and then you get to do your job in the dead time or in the downtime. And so, would you recommend any more advice for just people who are really hyped and interested about this HS route? No, more so than just like, oh, wait, hold on for A school, but just like advice for progression through their career what's the best advice you could give someone who is a prospective hs in that regards just uh stay the path and don't let people get you down about having to wait that long for school it's a great profession uh you, you end up helping a lot of people just don't let people don't let people get you down about wanting to wanting to do this job people say oh it's not an operational rate it's not a real job just don't let them get to you focus on why you're doing it you're becoming an HS because you want to help people. And uh, those people that say it's not a real job may be one day coming to you saying, I, I'm sick or I broke something and looking to you for help. So just uh, stay focused on that. Stay focused on why you're doing what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you for joining me tonight, HS2. It was a pleasure having you. And uh, really good insight as to just all the encompasses these. HS is such a wide, varied rate and everything. Very. So it's uh, very helpful for people who, like myself even, that don't know very much about all the different paths you can take as an HS for both furthering your development and paths you can take within the rate. So I thought that was a really cool treat that people get to hear tonight. But I'm glad to be of service. Yes, of course. We'd love to have you back at some point if we uh, have the opportunity to. More questions. Sounds, sounds good. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode with uh, HS2 Avery Yates. Uh, he's a very knowledgeable HS, and glad he's one of my HSs on board here on the Oak. So we uh, hope you enjoyed this episode, and uh, look forward to seeing you in the next one. And uh, have a great day. Y'all take care.